0: When we think about alleviating food insecurity, we often think about food banks. There are lots of other places that help to address food insecurity in addition to food banks. Shelters, community centres, community programs. Second Harvest is Canada's largest food rescue organisation and supports many of these places, but its great work is invisible to most of us. My name is Mike von Massau, and this is Food Focus, the podcast. Today's conversation is with Laurie Nickel, the CEO of Second Harvest. We talk about what Second Harvest does, how that's changed, and what the future holds. I enjoyed the conversation, and expect you will too. Here it is.
1: So I'm sitting here with the CEO of Second Harvest, Laurie Nichol, and uh, we're about to actually have a panel on food waste tonight, and we're sitting in the uh, food court at the Mars Centre in Toronto, so they'll forgive us if there's some background noise. But Laurie, I want to first, thanks for being here.
2: Thank you so much for asking.
1: So I wanted to take a few minutes to, to, to really get an understanding of of what Second Harvest is and why it works. I think it's a, it's a remarkable model, and I think it's different than a lot of people think about in terms of food rescue. So why don't I start there? What is Second Harvest?
2: Second Harvest is Canada's largest food rescue organization. And essentially what that means is we're picking up surplus food from across the supply chain, And making sure that food goes to community food programs. We're one of a kind in that we pick up perishable food, and that's very unique. 93% of all the food we pick up is perishable, and we focus on nutrient dense food. So we pick up produce, dairy, and protein. That accounts for over 70% of the food, and that is strategic because that is the food that low income people have the hardest time accessing. We're unique in terms of we're not just about operating a charity. In fact, my goal is to go out of business quite frankly, so we're really trying to understand why we have so much food loss and waste in Canada, and how can we prevent it first, and if we can't prevent it, how do we divert it? And we do that through research, we have one-of-a-kind research on food loss and waste in Canada. Which we're, I'm
1: looking forward to talking about with you too, because I've so read a lot <laughs> of it, It's there's lots of cool stuff, and we're, you know, lots of overlap in what we're doing. But, exactly, and ours right. is B2B,
2: yeah. so why are businesses throwing so much food away? We're also about education and empowerment. So, it's not enough to give somebody food. How can we train them or give them life skills or even just some confidence so that they can build their self esteem and go on to get jobs? And we do that through a number of training programs. We do food safety certification, which is quite expensive, and so we do it at a nominal cost. And we also have five training kitchens in the city. And what that allows us to do is all this surplus food can be repurposed into meals, and then we can take those repurposed meals and support food programs and nonprofits that don't have any kind of kitchen facility, but really need food. And I think last year we did about half a million meals that way.
1: So you guys prepare the meals, make bulk meals, and then deliver them to organizations that deliver? No. No? Close. Okay. What we do
2: is we provide the raw ingredients, so we, we pick up all that surplus food. We then work with five training kitchens in the city. And these kitchens can be the YMCA, or the Boys and Girls Club. And they are training uh, youth and people with barriers to employment on job skills. And so we fund them so they can hire a chef trainer. Okay. And then they train groups of people and then they make these meals, and we then pick up the meals because we really are a logistics business. A big part of our business
1: is logistics. So, so you're a logistics and a facilitator then, right? Exactly. And, and so those, those organizations that do that food prep, you give them ingredients yep. and some cash. Yep. They do it. You then take the output and deliver it to organizations that deliver
2: it because individuals, because
1: yeah. you're also not, you know, a traditional service organization or, food bank as people would envision it you're those are clients of yours exactly
2: we are strictly business to business Um, we don't work directly with individuals we work with organizations that work directly with individuals
1: yeah so why is there a spot for something like second harvest you know because we see you know i live in a small community we see food drives for the food banks or for kitchens and and that sort of thing what is the niche that's that second harvest fills
2: the niche is perishable and free so and also really understanding the landscape of food programming so it's true everybody when they think of food programs their mind immediately goes to food banks yeah the reality is most food programming happens outside of food banks so we're doing some research across Canada right now to understand where nonprofits are accessing food like where individuals are accessing food from nonprofits and right now less than I think that it will play out that less than five percent are actually accessing out a food banks so we need to really better understand we're meeting people where they are, yeah. not forcing them to go somewhere. so that's the uniqueness. We also don't ever pay for food, and a lot of organizations have small food budgets, but I pay for food. there's so much out there, and then you can use that money on whatever programming you have, whether it be supporting sports or mental health or whatever, like take the free food yeah.
1: so if if so that that actually surprises me i I realized that there was other programming. But I would have thought food banks were higher percentage to access. What are some of the other places people are
2: accessing food? So any kind of community center, a lot of religious institutions, like you yeah. know that there's always food at a church or a mosque, at institutions, so student nutrition is a big one. Yeah. Where they are not funded, we have no national student nutrition program in Canada. They're funded piecemeal. Mm-hmm. Even government funds less, I think 10% in the province of Ontario. And they're feeding hundreds of thousands of kids a day. So just that alone with other institutions, senior centers, mm-hmm. sports facilities, mental health, housing, a lot of shelter or housing. We work with an organization that houses kids' friends. And the beauty is they, they get our food for a logistics business, but they're also on foodrescue.ca. Yeah. Foodrescue.ca allows them to go to all the Starbucks in their neighborhood. So it puts them in the community in a very different way. Yeah. And so it's a non-threatening way. Yeah. So it's helping them that way. And then the food they collect, they have dinner and lunches. So their food budget is used for the actual programming. And they save so much money, they got to go on a van. So they go on outings.
1: <laughs> so so you're just generating so many questions. I, I don't want to jump all the way around. But let, let's start probably where I thought we would end up later it, with the foodrescue.ca. Tell me what that is.
2: So, foodrescue.ca is an online platform and soon to be an app yeah. that really is a local networker of local food business to local social service organization or nonprofit. I refer to it as the harmony of food because people understand that. Yeah. It, it's just a matchmaking system. Yeah. Um, but it comes with rules and regulations because we have to do things safely. Um, but it also comes with this amazing dashboard. So, you can see how much food as a business you are... I don't want to say wasting, because you're not wasting, but yeah. that you could have avoided. Yeah, And because you get the metrics, you can quantify your shrink, and you can prevent more of your food waste. There'll always be some. And then you can support the community, like your local community, like right next door.
1: So you're building these, you're facilitating these relationships between local organizations and and businesses that might have food available, and they're wondering where to go. And then, I mean, it is in micro what Second harvest does in macro, right? But exactly. you you the logistics function is just making the connection. They in, in that circumstance they do the pickup and Exactly. They, they they coordinate that themselves.
2: Exactly. So the impetus was we are GTA based organization and it did not make sense for us to pick up small amounts of food. Like we're partners, national partners with Starbucks, for example. Yeah. We're not going to send a truck to pick up some sandwiches. Just, we're an environmental organization yeah. that does not make sense. But all those little bits of food add up to a whole lot of food. So how do we make sure that that's collected without using that very expensive infrastructure? And that's where it started. So it was really for small, medium-sized yields of food to get picked up. Now we've expanded across Ontario and British Columbia. And there's other organizations that have transportation. Use the system. Because you can pick up large amounts. But that wasn't the intention. But now it's gone national people are picking up like eight hundred pounds of food at a time.
1: Right. And and they're finding ways to get it done. And Exactly. So so let's go back then. That's a perfect place to, to sort of to go back to the role Second Harvest plays in the GTA, which is a matchmaker, but a matchmaker that does logistics. Right. And why does it make sense to do it on the scale that you why is it such a successful
2: model? It's successful because of the, its uniqueness and perishable. Like it's yeah. not it's a it's a fleet of refrigerated trucks and we can take any amount like we are that one-stop shop in canada if you have perishable food we will find it at home yeah sometimes it's not our trucks sometimes it's in bc and we just match make yeah but perishable food is is difficult right there's food safety compliance that is different than picking up tins and we are very aware of that and we operate although it's a charity it's a business. Yeah. With, with the same framework, rule and regulations as a business so you know when you're donating to Second Harvest it's safe. Yeah. So
1: Second Harvest makes sense as a model because you have that specific expertise but you also yeah. have the critical mass that you can have trucks yes. and you can have cold storage and you can have you know, I've never been I've, I've been promised a tour but it's my fault <laughs> I haven't ever been. But you have a warehouse where you bring things in and then distribute out so that you can aggregate so that if you get 800 kilos of protein you can bring it in and then divide it up and give it to a variety of organizations and you might also get some produce and you can give them protein and produce. So you, you do that aggregation and the disaggregation. Exactly. And do it on a scale that an individual organization can.
2: Exactly. And so we work in Toronto specific I think we're supporting about 300 and just over 300 organizations. But we get lots of food so it's not about warehousing food we actually don't warehouse food it's okay. all about the velocity of the movement of the food yeah. because
1: particularly because it's perishable, it's perishable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: so it's an in out in out but we do get like huge amounts of food so what we found is that even the organizations that we're supporting some of them are very small like yeah. we have a 200 pound minimum you have to accept 200 pounds or it just doesn't make sense for nope. us. but there's some that can't uh take more than like say a thousand pounds or There's just not enough organizations that we can support because we don't have enough trucks. We have to build out our fleet a bit more. So we send it across Ontario. So Manitoulin the Island comes and picks up from our warehouse and our fridges and freezers every week and brings that up north. But we have, I think, 15 local partners in Ontario, and we partner with PEI. And in PEI, they give us potatoes, and then we need protein. So the truck stops at Mausson in Quebec. They take half the potatoes give us meat because they have this great meat program yeah they do a
1: good job they do a
2: great job (laughs) and so we get meat and potatoes
1: yeah really sort of
2: (laughs) literally literally
1: meat and potatoes so you're coordinating all of those sorts of logistics where you're doing back hauls so you're hauling stuff out to PEI to give them that they're short of bringing potatoes back
2: we're not hauling out to them no no we're just collecting it from them yeah we're we're trying to do some reverse logistics it's uh because of the nature of our business it's it's on the spot, right? Yeah. You don't. Have you never it. know. You, you, can't you never know. You. It. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to pay for transportation, or we often to get it paid for it. Yeah. For a charity, because you're a charity, and we should, and you should. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: have you been there since the start? Yeah. No. No. It's, it's
2: 35, years 35, years 35 years.
1: old. 35 years old. Yeah. yeah. but it's grown substantially.
2: It has. What and
1: What's next for second harvest?
2: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what the change was okay, to Second yeah. Harvest and why it's grown, and yeah. then I'll tell you our next. So Second Harvest has always been a dual mission organization. Yeah. No waste, no hunger. But they really focused on the no hunger piece. Now, poverty and food security is not really about food, right? Like by yes, us yeah, yeah. collecting surplus food and giving that to you, that doesn't make food secure, like income does and having no. proper housing does. So when I came, I really shifted that lens to no waste. Yeah. Make sure food isn't in landfill. We have a climate crisis on our hands. Let's deal with that, and that's what allowed us to grow substantially with the system. A lot of environmental funders like this, and mm-hmm. so that's allowed us to grow. So our next step after FoodRescue.ca is gone in BC. It's going national. Yep. So the next three years, we'll be in every province and territory. Mm-hmm. We're also building out the Food Rescue Institute, mm-hmm. which is a facility, and it's going to be and it is a one of a kind facility that will bring innovation and training and collaboration where everyone can get together, best practices, because we also work internationally. Mm -hmm. Like we work with the World Food Bank when they're doing research, we talk to them about, okay, well, we can't do your research, but what's happening in Rwanda and that we can discuss those kind of things. And with the FAO, because it's a global Mm -hmm. right? So where is a place that we can congregate? And we're very specific, like a mission focused. Mm -hmm. I'm about food loss and waste and food recovery and that's it. Yeah. (laughs) And once we can figure that problem out, which is going to happen, Mike, yeah, it's going to happen. That's where we're going. I hope to be, you know, close in fifteen years.
1: (laughs) I'll be retired. I'll be long long retired. So, so that that change in sort of focus is important because food security isn't just about access to food. It is about it is about income. It is about all of those, and and, and that's a broader problem
2: than just food. Exactly.
1: That said, however, food rescue—and I, I wasn't sure we'd get here—but but you brought us here anyway. Food rescue is a small part of the entire food loss or food waste sure. reduction element. And do you see yourself playing a role in in that as well?
2: I think food recovery should be part of the food supply chain. Period. Mm, yeah. Like it should be part of the food system. Mm-hmm. And so yes. Yes, I do
1: <laughs> okay okay so, but there are there are other things i mean there are for example, while well, we see some small initiatives at the household level with mm-hmm. community fridges and and those sorts of things, you talked about small quantities that's i mean the household level is particularly small quantities we have real trouble with things probably being closer to the end of life exactly. in the household we have storage issues, we have food safety issues. That is a, and that's an area where Kate and I have spent some time thinking about, but all the way through the the value chain, there are some stuff that is just going to be, that isn't edible anymore, but shouldn't go to a landfill, should maybe go to a digester or to animal feed. And and do you you see Second Harvest playing a role in facilitating that as well?
2: I see us playing a role networking and facilitating people to get together and advocating. But an operational role, like we've got a, we've got a lot going on. Yeah, already, yeah, no, I'm I just I, stick with that. Yeah, and, and you're
1: doing a good job, and I'm not, I'm not.
2: No, no, my my questions
1: were just sort of to set to set the boundaries on on for sure. On,
2: like, I'll let you and Kate do household, and we'll do B two B. Household is a
1: is a is a phenomenally <laughs> difficult nut it to crack is. because you can look at five houses in a row that look relatively homogeneous and. The amount of waste that comes out of them is completely different, and the reasons that they generate waste are completely different. So, speaking to them all with the same message is not just won't work,
2: right? I mean, and the sad fact is, like, you talk about it sometimes, but there's no scarcity in Canada, we have an overabundance of food, and so people don't value food the way they should. Now, should there be an opportunity. That's the wrong word. Uh, but should there be a moment where there is scarcity, like some things happens and borders close and we don't have food, well, people will change their habits pretty quickly.
1: It's it's interesting. I'm a first generation Canadian. My parents came from Germany after the war, yep. and experienced extreme food insecurity exactly. in Europe. My dad is one of those guys who licks his thumb and picks the crumbs off, off yep. the off the plate because waste is. My my kids joke because if there's something my dad won't eat, they know it's got to be full. right? <laughs> like, they've, I think they've yeah. seen it once in their life. <laughs> it's true. And so I I think there is you know for for some populations that have had food insecurity, there is a real there's a different mindset. But I think you're right. You talked earlier about food skills a little bit, and you know helping people learn how to cook. I think that's profoundly important in terms of just some basic food literacy in order to be able to use the
2: food we have. And and even understanding the food we have and knowing what that food actually is. We have systems failures everywhere, but education, we have a systems failure. Uh, We're not teaching our children what they actually need to know to be productive. We're sitting in a system that was created uh, 50, 60 years ago and hasn't advanced. We should be teaching financial literacy. We should be teaching food literacy. We don't live in the same world where one person stays at home. We don't, we don't have the luxury of that. We have to have people working. So how do we do this in a way that's convenient and
1: healthy? Yeah. And I would argue that, that in some ways, the the education system we had 40, 50 years ago, when I was an elementary and high school student, actually did a better job of food skills than than we're doing today. Yeah. Right? We, you know, yeah. you know in high school, we, we were had required to be at home ec, Right? <laughs> and the, everyone exactly and and learn some basic cooking skills and some basic life skills personal story my oldest son spent a summer working in a restaurant so he started as the dishwasher and then the prep cook didn't show up and he did that for a couple of days and then all of a sudden he was the prep cook and then a line cook didn't show up and all of a sudden he finished the, the finished the summer as a line cook we were a family that spent time trying to eat together cook together give them some skills but but learning how to use a knife Getting an appreciation for the diversity of food, it it, it has completely changed his outlook. And he still, at twenty five, sends me a text: "Look what I'm making for dinner tonight." Like yes. he, he enjoys and and he thinks about food differently. And that's an important that's an important factor.
2: Absolutely. I mean, not everybody has the same family situation. Right? Yeah. they don't have the opportunities. And I work with you know low income families and and a lot of new Canadian families. And, I mean, I'll tell you a story, which is not actually funny, but yeah. it makes perfect sense. There was this woman who had three or four children, and she went to a food bank, and she asked, uh, she was told by the food bank staff, who are wonderful, the kids are really going to love macaroni wow. cheese, yeah. the kids are going to love, we have lots. and So she's like, great, yeah. came then, She came back whenever she come back, and she said, my children didn't like it at all, it was too crunchy, yeah. because no one had told her. nobody had told her to cook it, and... <laughs> Like so, even just some things that we take for granted, mm-hmm. we should stop taking for yeah. granted. Yeah, I've got a lot of food stories of like yeah. bringing apples into schools and somebody saying, "What's that?" Yeah, like just no affiliation to an apple.
1: So we we got diverted.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, no, right, it was, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was
1: my fault, Lord. But you were going to tell me before we wrap up how things changed. So you you told me the start, but we didn't talk about how things had changed at. Second harvest.
2: Well, the change I think was just changing the lens of, and putting it in, in an environmental lens. Yeah. And about the food waste. And we're in a moment in time of a climate crisis, and that's not up for debate here. Yeah. And I won't debate it. Uh, well. yeah. I didn't think you would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is such a, a simple, I shouldn't say simple, but it's one of the simpler ways of managing this. And it's really interesting because we do work globally. We were, it doesn't matter who we were with, but they work on climate change solutions. And they hadn't, until two and a half years ago, made the connection between food loss and waste and climate change. They were like totally siloed. So mm-hmm. now that we've, you know, we see this as joint, we have an opportunity to manage this. And if we can just manage our food loss and waste in a better way, you know, we're not halfway there, but we're always there.
1: Yeah. I think a big part of making progress is, it sounds like I'm talking about half a the first the first step is recognizing I mean, that you have a problem. Exactly. And and the fact that we're talking about it, the fact that we're thinking about it, I think goes a long way. And, and we've even seen at the household level mm-hmm. that being conscious of it makes a difference. Absolutely. And I, and I think sort of organizations like yours, and we're hearing governments talk about it, and, and municipalities are at the front line because they're the ones that are dealing with all of it. Yep. And ne- never mind the environmental impact, but we're just running out of places to put it.
2: I like what Toronto's doing, though. They're yeah. am happy about that uh, biogas.
1: Yeah, it's the biogas and fueling trucks. and exactly. and uh, Yeah. yeah. In Toronto, all the household food waste, all the household organic waste is going into a biodigester. They're, gener- they're generating gas, methane, and then fueling their pickup trucks, or their, their organic trucks. Right? So. And their garbage trucks. And their
2: garbage trucks. I say so, this because my husband's a garbage man for the yeah. city of Toronto, so I was very
1: excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been, actually, the facility's really cool. Have you ever been to the, it's the one uh, on Dixie? Disco? disco? Yeah, disco. I was going to say Dis- yeah, Dixie, yeah. but disco. No, it's cool. To, I, bet. I mean, it's smelly, yeah, for sure. But if you're <laughs> if you're into garbage, it's, it's a it's a, it's a it's very it's cool. I know that's an affliction, but uh, it's kind of cool. <laughs> so we're just we're just about done. So I'm going to ask you two more questions. Sure. The first is, if there was one more thing you wanted to tell people about Second Harvest, what would it be?
2: Second Harvest is an awesome organization and i encourage anyone to go to foodrescue.ca if you're a food business or a social service organization so you can be part of the solution or come by have a tour check us out there's lots of cool things to see and learn cuz we are about education as well so good
1: come well you, you 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 uh, you answered my second question by answering my first cuz i was going to say <laughs> how do they find out more so foodrescue.ca
2: secondharvest.ca oh,
1: sorry
2: it's okay. There, yeah. We have two websites. So okay. secondharvest.ca is our website. You can yeah. learn all about Second Harvest. Foodrescue.ca is our platform. So if you're a food business or a social service organization, go there, sign up, and have someone collect your food.
1: Perfect. Thank you very much. And I'm hearing bagpipes in the background. <laughs> and so I think that's a sign, sign for us to, to stop recording. So thanks very much, Laurie, and look thanks. forward to chatting again.
2: Absolutely.
0: wrap up another episode of Food Focus, I thought I would just take a quick moment to thank Molly Gallant, who really does the heavy lifting in producing this podcast. She does all the hard work. I get to have the interesting discussions. Thank Zachary von Massow for the original music. Before we go, I'd like to remind you again about our foodfocusguelph.ca website. Check out our blog, updated at least weekly. Check out previous versions of the podcast. Check out our trends report and get in touch with us. Food Focus at uoguelf.ca. We'd love to have you send us comments, ideas, suggestions, and just to interact and hear what you're thinking about. Finally, if you like the podcast, please take a moment to rate us wherever you get your podcast as this helps other people find us. So thanks again. Hope you enjoyed it and looking forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.